Three, yep. two, one. Welcome back to another episode of AT Talks. We're here with Smoogee. Uh Lyle might join us and Andrew S. might join us for a conversation. We'll find out. But this is topic four, things I wish I knew when I started. So if you could quickly introduce yourself and tell the world uh, where you're in and what setting you're in, like what state you live, and then we'll go into the topic. Yeah, so uh, my name is Mike. I am a athletic trainer. I've been doing this since 2009, currently in the collegiate setting in California. But yeah, so NCAA Division II is where I'm at. <laughs> you you want to put a plug, in, uh, a plug in for looking for a job or looking to hire? Oh, yeah. So we are still looking for a third uh, athletic trainer. Um, so it is with uh, Academy of Art and we are still looking for another athletic trainer. So if you're looking for a job right now, like right at this instant, you know, we would like some uh, previous experience, you're more than welcome to apply. Um, and then obviously, you know, it's kind of around that weird time where it's like people are also looking for positions for next year too in the next coming mm -hmm. months. So, um, but, uh, you're obviously still welcome to apply, but if we find a candidate before then great. But we're also not going to force the issue either. But we do have an opening that just reopened back up in the past couple of weeks. So right. we're looking for so, somebody if you're interested. Just so if you could go back to 2009, what are some things you would tell yourself? Oh, man. I would say when it came to looking at grad schools. So in 2009, you get certified. So I did graduate school at Auburn University. So I actually worked for the military. Um, I would say that don't always depend on only the people at your school to help you network and finding positions, reach out and branch out. So a lot of times those junior and senior years, you can go and meet other professors and other, uh, clinical coordinators and department heads, uh, at multiple schools within your district. I would highly recommend to start reaching out to them earlier rather than later because the only thing that's going to happen is going to open up your doors. Um, and for me, if I was at that point and I had a student that was extremely open, was extremely outgoing, but also very professional and is also looking for other positions, for me, that speaks volumes because it's like, okay, I can probably put my neck out for this individual if we could talk a little bit more just because of the fact that I know, you know if I were to hire them, right that they're going to reach out to their coaches they're going to reach out to the other staff to make sure that they can all kind of get on the same page and see kind of go from there uh, you kind of want individuals that kind of take a little bit more initiative uh, just in our profession in general because we just need things to be done you can't wait for things to get done so that's just a kind of like a personal trait that i prefer that um i kind of already did but i wish i did more of that uh at that age just just reaching out to them uh to other areas outside of your alma mater to uh, network and stuff. Yeah, I agree that networking is extremely underrated because when you don't know anybody, yeah. you cannot find the jobs. <laughs> yeah. We all want to work. You need to know people. This is the profession. You yeah. Have people to work in this profession and everyone knows everybody. So if you know no one. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good your resume mm -hmm. is. It's just, it's like, well, I know this person personally. And, you know, this is, you know, like, I know this is true about them and so forth. Absolutely. I agree you know? 100%. Yeah. Is there anything else you would tell yourself if you went back in time besides? Oh, man. Um, 
I would say, I think it's more things that I found out later on. Cause I don't think there was anything that the profession itself could have really prepared you for just because of the fact, like, like when you're, when you're going through undergrad, you're going through grad school, they tell you, it's like, look, just, you know, this is the stuff that might happen. This is other mm-hmm. things that might happen, you know, but really preparing you for how to deal with like the coach athletic training relationship and with your administration, that's something that's like spoken about and we know, but you don't really go over and you don't know how to handle every situation. Right. So like stuff like that, I wish we got more about that at that time rather than later, because I feel like early on in the career um, that would have benefited a lot of people that have issues speaking with people in general. Um, It could have helped them a lot with issues they may have had in the beginning and how to handle certain situations. Right. Um, I think that would definitely would have been one. And then another one is just like, you know, just always remember you're not saving the world. Right. So relax. Everything is going to be okay. Like that's another thing because especially when you're young, it's like, you're going to make mistakes and it's just, you need to accept that fact. Like you will make mistakes, whether you've been one year in the profession, 10 years or 20 years in the profession, you're going to make a mistake from time to time. It's going to happen. Um, you know, just, you know, hopefully it's just like you missed like maybe one thing in an evaluation or, um, you know, which not like a super detrimental to like the athlete's health or anything like that. But there's like, oh, maybe we could have just done this better instead. So it's not necessarily like mistakes. It's just other perspectives and other ways you could have handled things or done things differently. Um, just, but still, even then, it's like, just don't hold it against yourself, you know, too much. It's just relax, breathe, like everything's going to be okay. Yeah. The last time we talked, you mentioned that with everybody else, like you're not saving the world. But I feel like a lot of the times we get so sucked into what we're doing that we are we are saving the world and we have to do everything all the time and everything mm-hmm. takes and there's a lot of pressure and you're always worried and you're always working and you're kind of burning yourself out. But yeah. You're right. Like if you weren't there tomorrow, it would still continue to move on. Exactly. That's and that's the thing. It's like it's like life will go on. It's like you don't have to be there every day. You want to be there every day. That's great but don't feel like it's an obligation. You should be there because you want to be there. Or if you need that time off, they need the time off. Obviously in our profession, it's not, it's not your typical 40 hour a week profession. You can't just randomly decide when you can and cannot. That's just the way that this job is. And until there's a huge drastic change on a natural, like a national cultural level, nothing's going to happen. Like ultimately, like it's not it, like the entire culture of athletics has to change before any of that even really comes into light. And that's why I think you see a lot of athletic trainers kind of going more towards like working for the hospitals, you know, working from a clinical perspective, getting out that can go more in like human performance, you know, kind of branching out and doing like a little bit more unique things. Um, like, you know, physician extending positions as well. You'll still see them individuals go do uh, PA school. Um, you know, if they would just want to do a complete career change, but, um, yeah, there's just a lot of, it's just like, it's going to have to be a huge culture change before we really see anything crazy happen in that regard. I think. Do you think we'll ever have, uh, that shift occur in your time as being an athletic trainer? I mean, probably 30 years or so. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised mainly just because of the fact that with a huge uptick in mental health awareness in general, right? Like 
Uh, I'm not sure how much it is at the high school level. NCAA is really starting to crack down on mental health awareness and then the mental health program and protocols that you have in place um, at all the institutions. So they're starting to make it a little bit more and more and more mandatory, right? Kind of like when like 2009, 2010, right? It's like concussions, you know, how we manage concussions in 2009 and 2010 let's be honest, it's nowhere close to how we managed it right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not even close. And a lot of times what you see with the medical profession, a lot of people forget this is every five to 10 years, there's not uncommon there to be a drastic change in treatment or rehab um, for injuries around that time. Right. And so this one's concussion. So now it's been about 10 years, right? So it's been, I'll be, so the end of this May will be my first, yeah, it'll be 11 years practicing as an athletic trainer. It would be 11 years for me. And I have now seen the entire change in how we handle concussions from the beginning to now and how it's consistently changing and even seeing how they're starting to change it from a physiological standpoint between males and females because how men or how males respond to concussions, how females uh, respond to concussion, they're starting to note that there's differences between that, which obviously makes sense. Um, and then now you're looking at the mental health aspect too, right? Where, um, everybody's, uh, like life coaching, everybody wants this and the words about that. And a lot of it also has to do with culture because everybody's about me, 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 uh, rather than before was more about helping the others. And now it's more about helping yourselves. So you see a lot of that. So that's like a new change. And so, um, I could see from a cultural standpoint, one day of it going to that, um, I don't know in all honesty if we'll ever really truly get third party reimbursement to be perfectly honest with you. I have no idea if that's actually going to happen or not. Cause I feel like they've been talking about that since I was in school and it's been 11 years. And I feel like that's been a battle we've been fighting forever. Um, and I don't know if that's really the direction that our profession really needs to go in order to get validation. I think it should be more of like an advertiser of what it is that we actually do rather than what we get from a third party standpoint. Granted that can obviously increase money and what have you. Um, but I mean, I have a, I probably have a hot take on that where I just think they need to get rid of athletic training and they need to get rid of personal uh, physical therapists and you just need to make everybody a physio just in general, like it is overseas. It just should be like one like type of profession in essence, kind of like when you have doctors where they'll, you have MDs and then they'll focus on like orthopedics and those in neurology, but kind of having it in the same essence, but one focusing more on athletics and one more focusing on general population. Yeah. I, I like the, uh, the, the, I'm going to call it aggressive growth that I've yeah. seen. It's like five years and I've had uh, in athletic training where they're like, they're getting other skills and they're branching out to other settings. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if a lot of people feel like they have to do that because they're not already valuable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Because it's just like, oh, I have to do this to prove that like, I'm really good at this. Or it's like, I have to do that. I have to do this. Right. Like, you know, people, they'll have like 12 certifications. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just, um, and it's crappy because it's like, you you almost kind of have to get those in order to be qualified to do that. Right. Like for example, like in certain States, like, uh, like dry needling here, I think in certain states, athletic trainers are allowed to do dry enabling, I mm -hmm. think. I can't remember, yeah. can't remember which states they are. I'm pretty sure in California you can't, right? So it's like, I don't have that certification and I don't, I'm not going to go and get that, right? But then you've got instrument-assisted, you know, soft tissue mobilization. So you have to get some type of cert in order to do that now. 
Mm -hmm. right but even though we kind of already did all that before this stuff all kind of happened came around in the first place right so it's just kind of cop it's it's like people are just capitalizing on specific modalities (laughs) that we kind of have to get like certified on and stuff and so in order for people to kind of feel more of a human performance model they have to go and get all these more reputable certifications mm-hmm. to make them seem more desirable right like you know and and this is completely notorious at the ncaa level and i don't understand why as a profession we look down on so many other secondary levels or just division two or whatnot because athletic training is still athletic training it's like unless i'm mistaken if somebody tears their acl it doesn't matter whether they're 12, 22, division one, division two, or division three, the rehab protocol is still going to be relatively the same. So I was like, I'm really confused as to why somebody that works at a high school level can't rehab somebody at the collegiate level. It's because they don't have all the tools or all the fancy certifications, you know, like you'll look at posts and they'll sit there and be like, Oh, you must have grass in one in order to, um, you know, we really want somebody with grass in one. It's just kind of like, you know, you can just YouTube that, right? And figure it out. Like, it's not that hard to figure it. It's all of this stuff out. I, I never understood that on applications, too, where we, it would be a college and say, you need three years with women's basketball. Yeah. Does, does, does three years college women's basketball make you any more qualified than three years of athletic training in other sports? I mean, I, I can I can understand experience directly with that sport if mm-hmm. that's the only sport they're going to work with. Mm. I can understand that, especially at a higher level. I can I understand that. Now, does that mean that that person is automatically going to be better than the other person? No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. But it does give them advantage of having familiarity with that mm-hmm. sport and what the expectations are with coaching staff and athletes of that caliber of level, depending on who's asking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but at the same time, it's like, if you've worked with basketball extensively, I think that's, that's the point, right? Um, take, for example, if we talk about like, uh, uh, software engineers, computer, computer software engineers and, and the tech world, like here in SF, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of them, they're kind of going away from degrees. Like Google doesn't really care if you have a degree now, they've kind of like getting your degree. They're like, they want to know how good you are at coding. What's the type of work that you've done and this, this, and this. They don't really care about your degree, right? Or whatever certifications. They care about the work that you actually do. Mm. So, you know, and a lot of times they kind of put that on there just to kind of like push people away from applying that feel like they're not adequate because if they don't feel confident in doing that and even applying for that role, they're probably not going to be successful in that role in the first place either. That's another thing, right? Like with collegiate athletics, you kind of have to be athletes are extremely confident, overly cocky in general. And so even as athletic trainers and people in that, right, that area, you kind of have to have someone almost the same type of mindset in order to not necessarily fit in, but in order to just kind of like to, yeah, pretty much kind of like to fit in to an extent because mm-hmm. like, like I, I have confidence um, and you kind of have to show that for the athletes, for, for them, it, it just shows them the buy-in a little bit more because mm-hmm. they're kind of also at that same type of level, right? So for them, they can relate more to it than anything else. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like super chill, laid back. So it's like, yeah. you know, athletes will say something and I'll look at them. I'll just give them like, like, really? 
like really you're gonna say that and they're like all right sorry I'm like yeah, it, it's a dynamic <laughs> you walk yeah, the line exactly. depending on the individual you're with and yeah exactly right like how somebody responds holds. yeah like how somebody mm-hmm. responds here is not going to be how they're going to respond like i can't do the same thing with every single person not everybody's going to respond to it right yeah. so but you you quickly mentioned mental health earlier I yes. a lot of athletic trainers are afraid to have those discussions with their athletes and they would much rather refer and hope someone else helps them yeah. do that in-house. Yes. Which I understand, but I think we should be more willing to step up to the plate and swing the bat as well. I'm fine with that. But the question is how much, and how much learning do we do that in school? Mm-hmm. How qualified are we to help individuals through those types of things? Because at the end of the day, when we talk about mental health, it's not about, we can help people deal with stress. I think that's perfectly fine. And honestly, that's about right now, I think that's probably about the extent of what most of us can be able to do is just help you deal with stress. But as far as figuring out triggers, emotional <laughs> triggers, or athletic triggers, or mental and emotional triggers, and being able to determine, identify those, and then putting plans into place in order to help them through the things that are actually triggering them in the first place, through, whether it's through depression, through anxiety, through the anxiety attacks, or you know, all those types of things. Like, it's, it's different having an idea and then actually putting a plan into place, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be like, you know, you, you get your, your ACL and you know that you do exercises during ACL, but you've no idea what the hell's going on during the entire program, like for the entire protocol, right? Um, now, as we are the first person that the athletes talk to, right, they feel like they can confide in us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a profession, we're inadequate to deal with it just hands down. We're in completely. And I agree hundred percent. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed more um, from the ground up from the basic level for these upcoming athletic trainers, hands down. Um, and it's something that even me, like right now, like that's something that I'm trying to look at too, is like, okay, how else can I help these individuals in terms of from a mental health aspect? Right. Because believe it or not, even though the NCAA is saying for these recommendations for your mental health institutions and what you need to have in place for all of your athletes, some schools don't have that. Some schools, even with athletics, don't even have counselors on staff. Which, in all honesty, considering how so happy this country is now even more than ever, is baffling. It's absolutely baffling that not even the school has a counseling, like even a counselor on staff. So, um, I think our profession, we can, because overall it's about human performance and wellness and that's technically that's a realm of it. So we could spin it off to that. So from a legality standpoint, we could win that battle, I think. Um, and I think we would have to get that side of the spectrum kind of on our side and how else we could help them and put it in that light rather than trying to take their jobs type thing um and then we would need more education on it just just hands down because um if you have individuals that are super super depressed a lot of them they get most of their information and their coaching from social media 
right? Like they'll get it from social media, all these life coaches, all these quotes and all this stuff, right? But it's like more than half of that stuff is, I mean, is that really going to help? Is that really going to fix the problem? No. Um, you know, and so, and then now you've got a lot of individuals going with the whole aspects of like uh, manifestation and spirituality aspects now, which is fine. Um, but what you can end up having is very, very dangerous because you have individuals that will get so into that, that they go into what we refer to as spiritual bypassing. Uh, are you familiar with that term? I am not. I've never heard that before. Oh man. So spiritual, by- oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so spiritual bypassing in essence is when somebody believes themselves to be so spiritual. Okay where it's like it's, it didn't even have to be about religion or anything like that it's just mm-hmm. so you have the you have the beginning and the end right where it's just from a cognitive and emotional level cognitively they're very very high emotionally they can't handle things so from an emotional level it and it's mainly just because of like lack of interaction with people lots of interactions in terms of learning how to do in certain situations when you dealt with other individuals and so what's happen is when it gets to a point where it's emotionally bothering them they just they just bypass it completely Mm. right and so they'll be like oh it was it was meant to happen yeah it's like what will be will be it's like oh it's what the universe is is giving me or it's 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 that and look i am all about having a great positive mindset and you know it's just good karma like i'm all about that that's fine but you can't keep running from the problems that are mostly going to trigger you you have to kind of go more towards it so what you have now is individuals they just keep trying to find something to just to explain what it is that's going on, just to explain what it is that's going on. And so when it comes to like mental health, because there's such a lack of resources for individuals in general, people have to turn somewhere. And so what you're having is a lot of individuals. That's why I think you have this huge resurgence of like the spirituality side rather than the pure religious side, because, you know, we kind of had probably like a negative connotation that's sent to religion in general, just because there's, you know, some fanatical individuals, um, you know, I don't think religion itself is bad. I don't think any of that's bad. It's just, you know, it's just kind of how you live life in general. So people are turning towards like spirituality more now because, you know, that's just what they, they resonate with. And so you've got all these, yeah. So they've got all these life coaches on Instagram and stuff that are just spouting out all this crap. And it's just like, is that really helping individuals deal with those emotional triggers? And that, in my eyes, is where we would need the most work on is how can we identify these triggers? How can we get those people to face those triggers? And then how can we put a plan into place in order to fix that? I personally have no idea how to do that because mm-hmm. that is not what I learned when I was in school. Yeah. Right. So I'm having to do extra, you know, not even CEU work. I'm just seeing how best to help my athletes. Mm-hmm. Cause that, I mean, cause I, we care. That's why we do our profession because we care and we like doing this job, even though it's burns us out, we still like doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, I, I think athletic training can, whether we should or should not, I mean, I don't know. It, it would have to depend on, from a professional standpoint, whether we'd be professionally held liable and then whether our insurance would cover us, whether it's because at the end of the day, we still have to cover our own butts. Yeah, I, I think a great place to start is just building that knowledge of how do you recognize mm-hmm. um, 
because there's if you don't know the symptoms or the red flags they're everywhere yeah. and then yeah. it happens but if you can just get that basic education you go hey uh something's bothering tom something's not right with tom tom's not yeah. what he normally does let's go see if he needs help or if we can refer him somewhere to a counselor or yeah. uh if you're at a big school maybe you have a sports psychologist on staff yeah maybe probably not but maybe or just yeah. Rolling. But if depends you, how much money you got your school. Yeah, but if you don't even know how to recognize that stuff, then you're just you're gonna miss everything. Yeah, and we can definitely do better there. Yeah, for sure. And then you still got the whole aspect of where if they do confide in you, it's like a lot of times you can't tell the coach or anybody else involved because mm-hmm. they don't want you to. Yeah. So you're the only one that knows. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. Right. So it's like. You, know, you obviously have to respect the wishes of your athlete because it is your patient in essence. So it's, mm-hmm. I mean, there you go. And so when it comes to like mental health, it's just, it's going to grow. It's going to grow and it's just going to grow. It's become more of a problem. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it actually too, does have to do with this day and age as well. Just in general, why we're having so many issues with this. Um, I was talking to some, some of my colleagues and some of the uh, sort of coaches and I was just telling them, it's like, we, I feel like either one, we didn't have these issues as much as we did before or we just didn't recognize them, but probably a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. But what I have found is in this current generation of athletes that are coming up is a lot of them can't deal with stress very well, or they have major issues like just with just from an emotional um, aspects and triggers of dealing with social interaction in general, like a lot of people are just have a really hard time doing that. And I wonder if it's because of the fact of the, they have a lack of social interaction. Cause when you talk about intellectual, um, being intellectual and working on wisdom and just working on your intellectual capacity, a lot of it has to do with social interaction with other human beings and talking and what have you. But talking via text message or Twitter or social media, you don't see the nuanced nonverbal communication that you would normally have by interacting with an actual human being. And and that's why we have these talks because I like an athletic training on Twitter, we're doing such a terrible job at collaborating and being positive in 180 characters. Yeah. Just attack each other. When we like yeah. each other, every all the like trainers I talk to, I go. What are we? Are we talking about the towel debate? Are we talking about the towel no, debate? Just, just, and just anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Any, it can be anything. Yeah, I, I think athletes are just yeah. today. Um, they they start with a bad hand because if you look at social media, like if you pull up Instagram, everyone looks good on Instagram. All the photos look good on Instagram. Everyone's house looks nice. Like it's everything is so perfect. And then you look at yourself and you're like, not everything's perfect with me. So there must be something wrong. Yeah. You know, like you'll see people's uh, Twitter pictures and you're like, wow, that's a beautiful person. And then you meet them in public and you're like, that's, you're the same person. Like you look completely different in your profile picture. Yeah. Same with Facebook, you know, Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I just think a lot of the, the people are just, they don't, they don't get that social interaction that they're used to. And in so doing, you get just, like there's a difference between being an awkward individual and just like incapability to mm-hmm. have social interaction and recognize nonverbal cues. 
like that that that's my main only thing about it yeah and so um yeah i just it's like i think even just from starting the profession to now it's it's just it's just a different athlete and so it's you know just trying to find ways to connect trying to find ways to reach them and get them to buy in you know and kind of going from there so for me it's it's really easy to change mindset and trying to understand individuals from a mental standpoint to make sure to see if we can connect i think it's really really important so it's very easy for me to do that um and so i don't have too many issues but i'm noticing coaches in general are having a very very tough time connecting with this current generation of athletes because it's nothing like what they were doing when they were athletes you're not going to get the athletes that are just always yes sir yes ma'am no questions asked do what you're told that's the end of story you're not going to get too many athletes that are like that is it nice to have that sure but everybody now is more is so much of a focus on like as an individual and individual growth that there's so it's like what can you do for me more than anything else nowadays nowadays it's like okay as like if i'm gonna go there what can you do for me like that's the most important thing what are you gonna do for me how are you gonna make me better yada yada that's what a lot of individuals in general are just kind of like looking at more than anything else I, I think, I mean, that's just what I think just from the perspective. I agree. Of what I've 100%. Seen, so. 